You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Well, good morning, North Canton Chapel family and all of you who are gathered online this morning. We are in week two of our neighboring series called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And uh, it's just a great opportunity for us to continue to gain some different perspective and uh, some different, uh, just different context. What what does it look like to be a neighbor in different contexts? And um, this morning we've got Britton Bolenbacher. Did I say that right? Bolenbacher? Yep. Awesome. (laughs) Well, Britton has been a part of the North Canton Chapel family here for a long time. You and Steph and your kiddos, uh, you guys were members here. You were uh, an ABF teacher here at Journey ABF, actually in, in this, this room, room. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for a little over two years, and um, even a part of the church planning residency there for a while, right? And uh, little known fact about Britton Bolenbacher, he is the son-in-law of Dr. Jim Collins, mm. so connect the dots Infamous. there. Yeah, Infamous. you're going to love that. So uh, about two years ago... You guys were sent out from here, from our congregation, uh, from the North Canton Chapel, to really continue to live on mission and uh, really gather together with the community that you guys are a part of there in Kent and um, and really start a gathering called Tree City Church. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're excited for all that God is doing in and through you guys in Kent and uh, just hearing all the stories and all the good news about what God is doing and, and the life change that's happening through you guys and through uh, the relationships that you guys have there. So... This morning is a little bit different. In this series, we're kind of doing like an interview setup, um, just a, a casual conversation, uh, a casual chat, and really just an opportunity for us to dialogue about uh, what does it look like to be a neighbor in, in light of all the things that are going on in our world today. Neighboring looks different right now in the midst of a, right, we're in a pandemic right now. And what does neighboring look like? So um, just having this conversation with you really is an opportunity for for us to hear from you, hear your, hear your heart, and hear what God's burdened you for. So, uh, with that, let's let's dig in and let's uh, let's get into some of these questions. So, when you, you when you think about what it looks like to be a neighbor, or what are some when you think about it, right? What are, what are some things that come to your mind, or some things that you think of when you think of neighboring? So, you know, let the Bible define what's a neighbor, and and so I mean. Uh, passage would be love your neighbor as yourself right and it's uh, we think about jesus's uh, statement of that but it's in the old testament law jesus actually mentioned a couple times paul says it a couple times it's in james this this uh it's throughout the course of scripture the idea of love your neighbor as yourself and so what does that mean i have to define right those the words love um, what's a what's the Bible mean? It says to love, right? And to love means to want what's best for someone, um, to seek their welfare and and have their best interest in mind. And so, and then your neighbor, right? So who's your neighbor? Um, the in that conversation that Jesus was having uh, with the law expert, he wanted to narrow the definition of neighbor. And and the story Jesus ends up telling, right? The Good Samaritan story. Uh, he he doesn't allow he doesn't make any room for that narrowing, and so we walk away going our neighbor is everyone, 
And uh, that's a high calling, right? And so, um, you know, Paul's, in Galatians, Paul said, uh, let us do good to all, um, especially the household of God. And so, yeah, everyone is our neighbor. And then as yourself, that's the hard part, right? So the word as, it's this comparison word in scripture. And what it does is it compares something you know, like an experience you already have, to something that's being taught. And so how do I love myself? Well, do I, do I want what's best for me? Do I seek my best interests? Do I want what's good for me, right? Of course, I don't get up in the morning and be like, oh, bad stuff happens to me today. And so, so what Jesus is saying, okay, now that's how you should love everybody else, right? Um, with all the creativity and energy and effort that you put into meeting your own needs. Um, and so, so yeah, so for me, like, like that biblical call would be how I would define, you know, loving your neighbor. Yeah, that's great. I like how you took us back to scripture and said, you know, this, this is really about the, the commands that Jesus gives us. Uh, right, we're commanded to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself. And um, you know, I think it's it's super important for us to kind of strip away all the noise of stuff to really just look at what God commands us to do and how He commands us to live. So you just talked about a little bit about meeting needs. Um, what are some needs that you're referencing to when you say that? Yeah, it's all needs, right? Um, I mean, it's helpful, I guess, to categorize them a bit, right? Man has spiritual needs and physical needs. And so I, I think first, as believers, we're called to care about spiritual needs. They're the, they're the truest, deepest needs, the longest lasting ones. Um, they're actually the cause for the physical needs, right? So uh, the physical needs that exist in the world are a result of, of sin, and they're sin because they're sinners, right? And so... Um, and so, yeah, I think primarily we're called towards spiritual needs, and um, but also there are physical needs, and uh, they're very real. Um, there's poverty, and there's injustice, and like the effects of the fall are are, are ravaging our world and ravaging lives. And uh, there's there's slavery, and there's uh, addiction, and sickness, and and so. You know, in Romans 8, Paul says that the creation actually is long groaning and longing for renewal um, because of all the brokenness and all the needs in the world. And, and in the next couple of verses, he says that Christians should uh, groan as well about that and long for renewal and long for needs to be net, met. And I think, I think the implication is there that, that the reason for that is that God is groaning and longing for those needs to be met. Um, you know, the, the brokenness in the world makes him sad, and uh, it's heavy on his heart. And so, so meeting those needs, uh, meeting all needs, right, it's, an, it's really an expression of love for God. It flows out of our, our love for him. And, and so, and even one more thought about those two, I, they're not really separated necessarily, right? They're not in opposition to each other. Uh, Jesus said, let your light shine before men so they would see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, right? Um, First Peter chapter 2 says to live such good lives amongst the pagans that even the ones that want to accuse you have no choice but to glorify God. And so, 
So that's often true that, that in our meeting physical needs, uh, a natural outcome is, is we, we get the opportunity to meet spiritual needs, right? In those places of brokenness in the world, um, physical brokenness, right? The people who are experiencing the effects of the fall the most uh, are often the, the places that have really ripe soil uh, for the gospel. So, Yeah, I, I love what you said when you started out. Um, you know, we, we, we all don't have a problem loving ourselves. And I think sometimes when we love ourselves so much, that blinds our eyes to the needs that people have. I'd love for you to get a little bit more specific here um, and kind of talk about some some needs specifically. Um, you know, what if what if I look around and I don't see needs that people have? You know, maybe address some of that. Hmm. So, yeah, are there needs around me? What if they don't? What if they aren't obvious? What if they don't seem as prevalent? I, I guess in those same couple categories. I mean, I, I would say one: there are needs around you. Everybody has spiritual needs, right? Um, whether you're a believer or not, right? Both Christians and non-Christians uh, have idols in their lives and things that they think will bring them satisfaction and they, they, uh, or they think they can find pleasure outside of God and His ways. Um, everybody believes that something will make them significant or justify themselves. And so, and so those are lies and, and, and we want to speak truth into those, right? And so... I mean that's true of that's true of everybody. Um, physical needs, though, which is probably more what people maybe had in mind when they say like I don't see needs around me. Um, that is a hard one in our culture and in our society specifically. Uh, you know we live in a we live in a context that is very segmented and kind of fragmented. We tend to be around people in the same tax bracket as us most of the time. Uh, like, like we all kind of have little gated communities of sorts. It's not intentional. Um, but I also don't think that when we stand before God one day, and like he, he's going to accept like, well, I didn't know <laughs> there were needs around me. And, uh, and so, so I give kind of a four steps, uh, some alliteration. Uh, so... Um, for, for the idea of the incarnation, right? And so I would say we, we locate, we look at, uh, we love, and then we leave. And, and so first we do have to locate needs. We have to work to find them. Uh, we can't just sit uh, comfortably um, and say, well, I did, like I said, didn't know they existed, right? And, and then two, once we do locate them, we have to look at them. There's this, there's this cool word in the Bible that's used of Jesus the most where um, he looks intently uh, at things. He discerns or he gazes upon, right? Um, the rich young ruler says he looked at him and loved him, right? Or Jesus looks out on the crowds and has compassion on them. He sees them as helpless and hurting, sheep without a shepherd. And so it's, he's not just seeing, but he's thinking, he's meditating on. And so so I'd say that's the second thing. We really need to look at the needs of people and think about them and meditate on them, try to understand them, try to get in their shoes, right? Um, physical needs, right? The poor, um, you know, they're, it's not, they're not just lacking in money. They're lacking in power. They're lacking in a voice. They're lacking in um, maybe knowledge. Uh, the 
And so, and so, yeah, we, we get in their shoes and we try to understand what's going on and, and we can't just look away, right? Uh, the, you know, having ignorance of the poor because I don't have concern enough to, to look at them and try to understand them isn't, that's just apathy, right? And so there's a, there's a, a parable Jesus tells, um, a rich man and a beggar named Lazarus and, and the rich man does nothing to help the beggar. And, and then the rich man goes to hell and it doesn't give any other reason why he's there other than he didn't help the beggar. And so he's not in hell because he didn't give to the poor. That doesn't, that's not, he, He's in hell because he didn't have faith, faith enough that would compel him to give to the poor, right? Faith that allowed him to live in luxury while he didn't, while uh, there was a beggar in need right outside his gate, right? And so his, his, um, his lack of faith um, keeps him from looking at the poor. And so, so we locate, we look, what will flow out of looking intently at the poor? love, right? Like, uh, compassion. It's easy to ignore a people group or to not think about a category of people. Right. But, but when I'm, when I'm really trying to understand people's situations and, um, it's, it's harder and what will start to flow is empathy and what will start to flow is compassion and what will start to flow is love, right? Coming. If you're a Christian, it, it will come out of you, right? It is a fruit of the spirit. And so, and so we start to love the poor and we care about them. And guess what? If you love somebody, now you're willing to act, right? Like people, people do great things uh, for pe- in, uh, to show love to people that they care about, right? And so, so we leave, right? Um, at that point, we were willing to go and to, to say, man, I, I care and I have concern and I want to do something about it. And so, and that's really the incarnation, right? As we, we look at Jesus, and, and he came and he entered into, uh, and I think he did it because he, uh, he was willing to look, and, and he loved. Yeah, so. yeah that's really good. Um, not that I want to add more to that, but uh, I, I would add one for me personally. Um, I like, I like does it start with an L? It does start with an L. Yes. Listen. Listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for me, like looking and listening um, yeah. raises my own awareness to the needs of people around me, right? And um, but I, I think sometimes it, it's easy for us to get into this uh, this scenario where we where we try to justify. Well, I don't have the resources, or I don't have the time. This is really going to cost me something, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you know, I think that's as a church too. That's some of the pushback that we that we get towards mission all the time, right? And we, um, you know. Some of the pushback is, you know, it's going to cost me. I don't have the time and I don't have the resources. What What are some things that you would say to that? Mm. So I would say, I would say to that person, you do like you do. Um, and so, so one, you're a human being, so you're made in God's image. And so you have the ability to think, to reason, to love right? You, you also are a unique human being. So you have gifts and strengths and talents and abilities. Um, 
and you have a unique set of life experiences. You have a unique set of uh, knowledge, right? And those are all resources and, and that God has given us. And so, and the Bible says we're blessed to be a blessing, right? And so those resources weren't meant for just you. They were meant for others. And so, so that'd be one answer. The other, the other says, if you're a Christian, um, I mean, let's think about that for a second, the resources you have. So your father is the creator of the universe, right? Uh, and he likes listening to your prayers and answering them. And so, and then he sent his son to set you free from your sin and to open your eyes to truth, right? And then he filled you with his spirit. So the spirit of the living God is in you. And, uh, and right, the Bible says that he didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind, right? And so uh, the Christian can't really say, like, I don't have any resources, right? Um, that you have infinite cosmic power, right? Um, and so, again, physically though, what about physical resources? Um, and I think I would answer the same way. I, I would say you do. You do have resources, and to to meet physical needs too. And here, here's why I would say it. So one, I think Jesus shows us you don't need a lot of physical resources to meet spiritual needs, right? I mean, he owned one possession, a, a robe. And then even that, in his greatest moment of service, he was stripped of even that, right? And, and, and we even see him talk on that. He, as he's watching rich people drop bags of money in, um, he's more impressed with uh, the lady who's, who um, is willing, out of love for God, to give what she has, right? Even though it's, it's not much. And so, two, though, I would say... The other reason I say we do, like you do, North Canton, right? Uh, the uh, assuming everybody watching this lives in America, right? And so, you know, it it's a perspective thing. It goes back to a couple of things I I, um, I mentioned earlier. We don't really want to look at the poor, right? Because we don't. Um, it. To look at the poor and to focus on them, to think about them intently, like that, that makes me, won't that make me sad? Probably, <laughs> right? Like, won't it make me even feel guilty maybe at times? You know, for me, I, I learned about an organization called Feed My Starving Children. Um, for 17 cents, you can buy a meal for a family through this organization. Uh, it's like a vacuum-packed thing, makes a stew, they mix it with water, and, and they send it to third world countries. And and so, yeah, last time I went to Chipotle, the next time I went to Chipotle after learning that, right, and I've got my burrito there, and and I started doing the math, I'm like, I could feed 41 families for the price of this burrito, you know, which looks like it could feed 41 families. But, the like, and man, the, the more that I learn about those things... Yeah, the more that I'm going to think, man, do I really need this? And I and I might have to like give up some things that that I enjoyed. And, and the other thing I would say that kind of comes into play is our, what I mentioned about a segmented society, a segmented culture that we're in. Um, we tend to be around people that have the same needs as us, and so we're not aware of needs of people. You know, if we want to say beneath us as far as economically, right? Um, and because of our aversion to looking down at them, we tend to want to look upward. 
We don't look at people that have more than us because it makes us feel better <laughs> mm-hmm. about what we have. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I can always, nobody thinks they're rich because of that, right? You can always point to somebody who has more than you. And so maybe that's why we, we watch like lifestyle. Nobody's watching lifestyles of the poor and hungry, you know, and because that would just make me feel bad. And so, but the reality is our whole country is a big gated community, right? And the poor man outside of our gate, he's across our border. Um, he's across an ocean. Um, and, you know, if, if you make $34,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the richest people in the world. Um, in our, and, and so someone around the world, they would say, like, you're super rich, right? Uh, in America, we describe them as lower middle class. And they're only 4,000 4, away from being poor, according to our standards, you know? And so, the, and so I would say you do have even financial resources. You have, you have infinite spiritual resources. You yourself have a unique set of resources that are intangible. And then I would say you do have financial resources. It's just you, we might have to change our standard of living a little bit. And we might have to sacrifice some things and, and go without. Um, and, yeah, is, will I feel that? Of course, right? And, but the, the Bible tells us to bear burdens. And that's the image there is that I feel it. I'm carrying the load a bit. I'm sharing it, right? And so... If I'm just giving out of excess, um, I'm not really feeling it. So I'm not really obeying that command and bearing a burden. Um, it, and so, man, it, to, to really be a neighbor, I think as Jesus would say and as the Bible would, would teach us, it involves cost, right? Um, it would be a, a, a costly venture. And, um, and again, the, uh, it, it just seems like a, a natural response, though, to to Jesus, right, and uh, and the great cost that he um, he paid for us. So, yeah, that's really good. And I think during this this season that we're in, uh, it's important that we all right look introspectively, look at our own life. Um, I'm trying to remember all the L's, right? Locate, <laughs> love, uh, leave, look, listen, look, you have listen. It. These are all things that help us to become more aware of the needs, tangible needs, physical needs, spiritual needs of people all around us. And, yeah. uh, and like you said, it's not just people around us. It's, it's people around the world that everybody is going through this similar thing just as we are. Yeah. And um, so I think, you know, as, as you're talking about like Jesus uh, incarnationally living Right, and uh, I think James even alluded to it last week in, in John chapter one verse fourteen, where you know it, it talks about Jesus um, taking on flesh and moving into the neighborhood. Right, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, is what it says. Uh, when you think about that, there's some practical things um, of what that looks like. So specifically for you guys at Tree City Church, mm-hmm. what does that look like for your community? What does it look like for your family? in the midst of this pandemic? How has that changed maybe during this season? How has neighboring changed? Uh, or what does it look like for you guys during this season? Yeah, yeah. So so we gathered and prayed and and tried to really be prayerful about what are, how has this changed things? Who, who has this affected the most, you know? And 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 then we, were, we and then we prayed for those people. 
so that, that was kind of step one for us realizing like, man, this really affects people who, you know, waitresses and people who, who aren't salaried employees and aren't hourly wage and, and the elderly. Right. And, and so trying to be aware of, of uh, pockets of people that uh, this affected more and then, and then being prayerful um, for those people would, would have been, yeah, step one for us kind of in the process. Um, We, we did out of that, um, as we prayed, who who got who was God calling us to on that list, right? Specifically, um, the elderly kind of came to mind for some people. We have a, a a household that they're in a neighborhood with a lot of older uh, people. They're in an established neighborhood, and so um, they made uh, bags of cookies and wrote little letters to them and put Bible verses in them and let them know they're praying for them. And said, you know, if you need any help with anything, uh, if you need us to go shopping for you, whatever. And and so, um, you know, there's been a, some conversations that flowed out of that, hoping there's some long-term fruit too, right, that comes out of that. So, you know, there, there's been times where it marks that someone goes, you're the people that brought the cookies, right? And so, uh, so that was one practical one. Um, uh, another thing we did, because we, we're allowed to walk right now, so we go outside and walk, right? And so, so we said, let's divide Ken up into kind of sections and let's just walk them. And, uh, and so people kind of grabbed different sections of the city and just walked streets and, uh, and prayed for houses they walked by, um, tried to get to know the neighborhood, learn a little bit about the neighborhoods. And so, again, that's something we do now, but we're also hoping there's some, some fruit that comes from that, that, you know, maybe we kind of spiritually adopt a neighborhood uh, and have a, a a section of the city that that we feel a burden for, um, you know. Um, another thing we did, we we gathered together one night and we we went around each person. Our our church has thirteen people, uh, and we went around and just kind of inventoried gifts and strengths and abilities and talents. Uh, we didn't have the person themselves be like, "Here's what I'm awesome at." But everybody else in the room said, here's what I see in you. Here's gifts and strengths that I see in you. And here's talents and abilities you have. And here's how God seemed to have wired you. And we made a master list. And then we we prayed over it. And we said, man, what are ways that we could overlap? Because we kind of have some commonality here. And what are some things we could do to engage in a more intentional way? And so so some a lot of that's preparatory, right? That when we come out of this time and right now, it seems that God's leading us to to potentially start a couple ministries, um, one with um, some after school programs for for uh, one of the schools in our area, and then um, a, a one of the lower income neighborhoods, and then another one is some sort of ministry to the elderly, to shut ins, um, meeting construction needs, things like that. And so, so that's some local things, and then uh, globally. So for us, we. India is really our focus as a church. It's something God led us to a year and a half ago. We have a village, uh, Golakota. Uh, you could pray for Golakota. Uh, it's a village in India that we have a pastor there that we support. He's a missionary and he's planning a church and caring for the city. It's th- through India Gospel League. But so right now, if you're following India at all, um, they're having a rough time. They, they had one of the strictest lockdowns in the world. It happened really fast. And then, so 94% of India's workforce are day laborers. Uh, they, and, and so, I mean, these are people who, 
they don't know if they're going to have work that day. They go try to get it or, or they're, they maybe own like their artisans. And so, you know, they don't know how much money they're going to get if they sell some stuff. Right. Well, so instantly these people have nothing. And so they don't have enough food and now no money to buy food, right. For a week out. And so, so India gospel league, right. Sends out emails and says like, this is what's going on in India. Um, we need to, we need to do something about this in the name of Jesus. Right. And so, so we prayed about that, you know, there's, um, you know, we have five incomes total in our church, but we've been saving up for a year and, and we don't have any other expenses. And, and so we, in the end, God led us to give most of what we'd saved up. Right. And so, and so, yeah, five people with modest incomes, we gave $22,000 to India. And so it, it, again, it was just a reminder, like you don't need a lot to give a lot and make a big difference. Right. That's going to make a massive difference in a country like India. And so, and so, yeah, for us, uh, it's been a, a a big blessing to be a part of that and hear how that money's being used. And, and we're excited to see the fruit that's going to really flow out of that uh, in uh, in the months and years to come. Right. Um, so, so yeah, so those are some of the things that, that we've been doing in Kent. Yeah, well, thank you, Britton, so much for your faithfulness to that. And then just being open about, you know, just the tangible, practical things that you guys are doing and uh, the things that you guys are praying for and, and obediently stepping into. Because I think what it helps us as a church, right, the greater church understand is these these ideas of reactive and proactive mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of what you've shared this morning has really been about that. Reactive is just paying attention to the needs around me and stepping into that faithfully. Yeah. Proactive mission is, is stuff like what you're talking about with India Gospel League, with setting up continued relationships with these older folks and stuff. And so we, we need to be aware of those things, the, the reactive mission and proactive mission, as we continue to engage, right, in God's mission every day to everyone. And um, so maybe what are some encouragements or suggestions you have for our North Kent Chapel family and um, uh, neighboring? Hopefully they've t- had some great things that they could draw and extract from things that you've already been saying. But what are maybe some suggestions and encouragements you have for them? Yeah, you know, I- I think God has to put it on our hearts. So I don't, I don't want to give practical, you know, here's the list, pick one of those, uh, as much as, I mean, some direction. So, so I'd say first, we have to believe that it's a mandate, uh, to love our neighbor. It is, it is a fruit of believing the gospel and it's a fruit of our faith. And it's something that, that God's not calling you to meet every need but he's calling you to meet some need, right? Like, uh, and to the point where, where, you know, in Matthew 25, you know, Jesus is, is saying it, it's almost like a benchmark of uh, a sign of true faith. Where he says, man, I, I didn't know you because you didn't uh, give someone a drink of water or, or, you know, you didn't meet a need in my name, right? And so sort of like what we were saying with the rich, the, the rich man and Lazarus, right? It, it's a sign of a lack of faith and a lack of love for God. And so, so it's a big deal. So, that, so that'd be my first point, right? But you need to believe that, believe that that's true. Um, you know, we need to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Um, you know, in, in James, it says, if, if you see someone that's hungry and you say, go in peace, be well fed and do nothing about it. Like what good is that? You know, it's it's uh, faith without works is dead, right? And dead faith can't save anybody. So, 
Um, you know, we need a faith that is alive and active. And so um, we need conviction on that. And then two, I go back to what it's about locate and look, right? Um, be intentional about finding needs and think about them. Look for them, right? You need to locate them. And it's not, it, it won't be natural. Uh, it will take some effort. It'll take some intentionality. It'll take some work, right? So maybe, you know, maybe practically, uh, maybe watch a little less CNN or Fox News, depending on your leanings. And, you know, maybe get on India Gospel League's website, uh, Compassion International's website, Voice of the Martyrs' website, um, the Samaritan's Purse, Open Doors, you know, and you're going to find some, what you'll find there is news that God considers news, <laughs> more so than you'll find on those other sites that I mentioned. So, um, so yeah, that's something practical you could do. Get on and like see what needs exist out there and, and learn about them. Um, you know, at the moment we can't, I, I would say, enter into some places and, um, and so we can actually go to maybe neighborhoods we wouldn't normally go to and interact with people we wouldn't normally look at. But right now we can, we can do some of those things uh, online and, and prepare for that, right? And so we need to locate needs and be willing to look at them and meditate on them and think about them and, and pray about them and, and really ask God to give us love and concern, right? Give us a, a heart to meet those needs. Um, I would say also the inventory idea. That's something we could do now. Um, take an inventory of gifts and strengths and abilities and talents. Like what resources do you have? You could also inventory, are there things you could do without? Right? And, and really prayerfully consider all that and, and say, okay, what are the resources that I possess? Right? And so, so I'm, I'm looking at needs and I'm also considering resources. Right? And then, and then I can pray and go, man, how do those things converge? Right? Uh, how can I use the resources I have to meet a need that exists? Right? Spiritual needs, physical needs. And so uh, a couple other practical things I would say, um, do it with others. Uh, you have more resources combined than, than individually. And so, uh, plus it's challenging and encouraging, right? So invite people into that. Your family, I would say do it with your family. So for us, uh, we've been, it's a fun story, we've been reading uh, John Piper has a book called Don't Waste Your Life. And we've been reading it with our older three girls. And then we talk about a chapter week. And one of the chapters, uh, our 13-year-old said, I don't understand why if people have more than they need, they don't just share it. <laughs> so, like, well, let's talk about sin nature and yeah. self, you know. And so... She followed it up, though. She said, well, when I was reading that, what came to mind was that we have a pretty cool family and a nice house. I think God wants us to do foster care. And I was like, well, I want you to obey God in your personal application that affects our entire family. But the and then so we shared that and our uh, our son, Bo, was like, that reminds me when Jesus said, freely you've received and freely you give. And so so we have this like theme verse for foster care and Steph and I are going through the training right now. Um, we, we have time to do it, you know, it's like 40 hours of training or something. So we're working through that. So that, that's a personal thing, right? That our family's able to do together because Krista inventoried 
you know, yeah. something we have, right? Which is a cool family and a nice house. So, um, the, I would, lastly, I would say do, do something today. Kind of end with that. If you're, again, back to James, he talks about a guy who sees himself in a mirror and then walks away and forgets what he looks like. And so several of those things like you can do today, you can get on Voice of the Martyrs website today, uh, you can inventory today, like you can start praying for needs today. And and because we don't want to be people who we sense a conviction from God and then we build up this habit in our lives where we're good at not doing anything about it, right? That's a pretty bad habit to have. And so, so yeah, don't be that guy. Do something today, right? And, uh, and uh, if you sense any sort of conviction from the Lord to say, man, I, I am called to be a neighbor and I'm called to meet needs, right? Um, today's, now's the time, right? Uh, so, yeah, that's really good, Britton. Thanks so much. Um, I've got one more question. I know the answer to it, but I think it's important that we as a church uh, get to express this together. Because when you're, when you're thinking about, right, neighboring being so much about meeting needs, right? Jesus is the ultimate uh, need meter, right? Yeah. And, uh, but when you think about it from what you've shared today, um, what is it that motivates people? What is it that motivates the church to give of themselves, give of their their finances, their resources, their their energy, um, to make a sacrifice to give to people that don't have, um, potentially even strangers, right? What is it that motivates them to step into this faithfully? Jesus, yeah. Um, you know, we said it a few times already, but I mean, Jesus is our pattern for this. Jesus, Jesus loved us. He. He looked upon, right, our plight and our problem, um, and he was sad about it. Right, it broke his heart, and so he, and he did something about it. And he he left his high end neighborhood, right, uh, to enter into ours, uh, into our brokenness, and to to our into our need uh, to to seek to meet those needs, right, and to to bring healing and restoration and salvation, right, and so. Um, and he did it out of love for us, right? And and it was costly, right? It cost him a lot, and uh, he gave everything he had down to his last breath, right? And his final heartbeat. And so, so yeah, the the gospel compels us. Uh, Jesus, uh, he, I go, man, he he bore my burdens. He he took my weight upon himself, all of it, until my need was gone. Right. And so so that's our motivation. Uh, Corinthians says that uh, he be he who is rich. Right. He became poor so that we might become rich. Sure. Right. And so and so, yeah, so Jesus is what compels us to to want to meet needs and to, to do it even sacrificially. And and so I mean, if I focus on that, if I meditate on it, that infinite sacrifice, the infinite amount of love that's demonstrated through through Christ in the Gospels, um, I have to give some sort of appropriate response of gratitude to that, right? Like I can't, I can't, I can't say ten percent uh, in some of my time is probably sufficient. All right, that doesn't make any sense. The if Jesus gave, if the infinite God gave everything, then then nothing's off limits to give back. 
And, and that's not an obligation, right? Uh, I love Jesus. And, and if, if caring for my neighbor brings him pleasure, uh, well, that brings me pleasure, right? Like, um, my greatest joy is bringing Jesus joy. And so, uh, anybody you love, you don't want them to be sad, right? And so, and so, yeah, these are, these are people he cares about, that he created, that he knows their name, that he loves dearly, that he sees their situation and looks on and is sad and, and, um, he died for them. And so, and so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to give him some half-hearted uh, service, right? I want my neighboring to be uh, vibrant and beautiful and uh, powerful, right? Um, that's the only sacrifice that would be worthy of, of the gospel. And so there's a, <clears throat> there's a hymn that says, When I survey the wondrous cross, right, on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss. And poor contempt and all my pride. And then, the, and then the last verse says, we're the whole realm of nature mine. So if I had everything in the world to give back to Jesus, and it says it'd be an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul and my life and my all. Right? And so, and so yeah, the response to Jesus' neighboring right, is for me to, to, to pour everything um, back right? Into loving him and loving my neighbor, like you said at the beginning, right? The, the greatest commandments. So. Britton, thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, yeah, I've been encouraged by all of this and, and, and motivated on a, on a deeper, uh, in a deeper length to step into what God is calling us here at the North Canton Chapel to do. And um, hopefully that's an encouragement <laughs> to all of us as well, that during this season of quarantine, that, that the gospel moves forward, that the church is not closed, that that God is still on his throne and he's sovereign. And, yeah. um, you know, maybe it's something that, that Britton shared with you this morning that is giving you something practical that you can do this week in response to what the gospel has done uh, in your life through Jesus. So uh, thank you so much for sharing that yeah, this yeah, morning. Sure. If you would, wouldn't you, would you mind closing us in a word of prayer this morning? Yeah, love Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Cool. Father God, it's an amazing statement. You're the God and the creator of the universe and you're sovereign and all things belong to you and you're our father. And you're our dad. And you love us. And so we come before you and, and uh, we ask you uh, that you would, uh, you would continue to open our eyes into your ways that you would continue to give us your heart, that you would continue to help us see uh, the world from your perspective. We're really grateful that you sent your son so that we could uh, live in this world with love and freedom and power because of Jesus. That's your dream for your church, uh, that they would be they would shine like stars in the universe as they uh, supernaturally love people in ways that have no explanation but the gospel being true. And so I'd ask that you would do that for, um, for anyone who's listening right now, for members of North Canton Chapel, for anyone else who's, uh, who's you've led to just tune into this. Um, God, would you open their eyes?
would you reveal yourself to them in a, in a new way? And, um, and may they find the sight of you to be a, a beautiful, um, moving thing. God, we want to walk and live in ways that please you and that bring you glory and honor. We're thankful that you've honored us with the chance to be your, uh, your missionary servants in this world. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at nchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces making much of Jesus every day to everyone.